Welcome to the Torah Teachers Roundtable, Apostolic Edition, with your hosts Rob Miller, Mark Patron, and yours truly, Mark Call. We hope you'll find this discussion entertaining, thought-provoking, and that above all, you'll be like the Bereans and search out the scriptures for yourself to see if these things be true. All right, we are back, folks. Happy Tuesday, and uh, welcome to the Torah Teachers Roundtable, Tanakh edition. We are working our way through the book of uh, Yeshayahu or Isaiah. A lot of uh, what I would say is fascinating stuff here, and so much of it, and indeed this seems to be the case with a lot of prophecy, especially as uh, some of us can't help but continue to think, hmm, we're pushing close to something of biblical proportions ourselves in our own times. Anyway, that's a good reason for paying uh, closer attention than uh, we might normally even have to these. And uh, we are pleased again to have uh, Ray Harrison with us, and uh, I think he's enjoying it, so uh, we'll look forward to having him continue. Uh, lots of good stuff to talk about, and um, at this point, we're in about the middle of chapter 14, and uh, let me just say, uh, let me say good afternoon first to MP, welcome him on board, then we'll go to Ray, and we'll let you guys um, pick it up wherever you'd like. We had some stuff last week on the table having to do with Lucifer, one of the few mentions of uh, that specific proper noun in the book, and uh, this one's always kind of fascinating, and it looks like it continues into where we are to start off today. So, uh, howdy, MP, how you doing? I'm doing well, Mark. Uh, having a having a wonderful time. Had a great time yesterday with uh, in my you know my my uh, father-in-law um, who is 96 years old and we're here taking care of him. Uh, <laughs> he's uh, he's a, a devout Roman Catholic. Has been for, since he was a little kid, and so uh, I got to take him to uh, two services yesterday, and the service the day before. You know, so <laughs> it, was, it was that was lots of fun. And then after all that was over. We had a uh, Christmas dinner that couldn't be beat, made by my lovely bride and her lovely sister, and it was it was good. But uh, I don't generally celebrate Christmas, <laughs> so just to let you know, I did that to honor my father-in-law. Okay, all right, good. Well, um, uh, Ray, how, how about you? How you doing? Uh, doing doing very well, thank you very much. Uh, <clears throat> we also. Uh, had uh, have been hither and yon visiting family and uh, and all that the, the the family stuff is important we don't necessarily celebrate the day but uh, but it's always good to get together with the family so we make a real point to always do that Okay, yeah, those those are good reasons in spite of the fact that uh, I, I have difficulty, to be honest with you, getting over the uh, the fact that it's pagan to the core. And uh, it seems like the uh, the more I understand that, the more I look and I see things and I think, wow, uh, you know, I understand people say, oh, it doesn't matter just that we celebrate it. But I think it does matter because uh, to some extent they, they get not only the day wrong, they get the individual wrong himself too. And they don't understand that if uh, if Jesus came to do away with the law, you got the wrong guy. And that's a that's a real sad problem. <laughs> yep. All right. Yep. Well, let's uh, let's what just can you say? yeah. <laughs> let's talk a little bit about some of the uh, some of the specifics of where we are. Maybe that's a great segue because we ended up at verse fifteen. But I want to start, and I'll read. 
a couple of the verses prior to that uh, that have to do with this one I mentioned. Uh, How you are fallen from uh, Hashemayim. O Lucifer, son of the morning. And I know Ray talked a bit about son of the morning. Lots of references there. Venus, the morning star. There are um, certainly lots of pagan things that come to mind. It's kind of a fascinating topic. If there's more to add, we'll do that. But meanwhile, how you are cut down to the ground, it continues, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, here are the I wills of the bad guy, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of Elohim. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Uh, yet, he says, you shall be brought down to Sheol. That's a word that is uh, uh, sometimes translated into English uh, as, uh, the, well, sometimes they keep it. Like in my uh, NKJV, NKJV it, says, it says Sheol, which is the Hebrew word. Sometimes they'll render it as hell or the grave. To the lowest yeah, depths that's of what the... That's I got in the KJV. Yeah, the pit. And the pit is interesting, too, because the pit, the word pit is bore. And I find that's kind of an easy Hebrew word to remember because a borehole or a well hole is very similar to uh, to the Hebrew word. So to the lowest depths of the bore or the pit. And um, the first time we see that used, of course, is with Joseph. He was thrown into the pit and then sold into slavery. And um, I'll read that just one or two more verses. Oh, was that a comment? Carry on. Oh, okay. Um, and then we'll pause. Those who see you, it says, will gaze at you and consider you saying, hey, and I like to do this a little bit per, um, colloquially because it makes more sense. Uh, hey, is this that dude who made the earth tremble, who um, literally um, shook kingdoms, who made the world a wilderness, destroyed its cities, who didn't open the house of his prisoners? In other words, were we scared of this thing? And that's always kind of fascinating. All right, so there I'll pause. Uh, let's go first to uh, let's go first to you this time, Ray. Uh, okay, just just a couple of thoughts on this. And we started to cover this last week, but we got uh, caught by the uh, at the end of the hour. Uh, <clears throat> Isaiah's doing some interesting stuff here. Uh, I know that we many read this uh, passage and immediately. Uh, uh, ascribe it to be uh, a description of Lucifer. Of course, that title Lucifer comes from the Latin Vulgate Bible. Uh, Halel is actually the word used for star uh, there, okay. meaning shining one. But um, one of the things that I think perhaps he's doing in the near version of this, if we want to look at Isaiah as prophesying to the people of his time, I think he's making lots of illusions here and comparing the king of Babylon to the Canaanite cosmology of the time, called the Ugarit. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, within that pantheon, uh, there is a, a creator god whose name is El Elyon. Does that sound familiar? And that's kind of Very interesting. Very yeah. interesting. I think I've heard that one before. It, it, it is true. And again, uh, here in just a moment, I'm going to make a little case for this. But uh, El Elyon marries Asherah. Hmm. They produce demigods of Yam, Baal, Halel, and some of these others. They live on Mount Hermon, which was called Safon, which was the palace of Baal. And uh, in the book of Enoch, which is not canonized scripture, but Enoch says that this is the place where the watchers uh, descend to the earth and, and they enter earth at, on, from this mountain. And it's also known as the Mount of the Assembly of the North. That's here. All those things are there. So I think 
Isaiah to his, his generation, all those folks would be intensely familiar with this cosmology because it's all around them and who they're talking about. Um, I would remind uh, us, and I don't know that we want to go on a bunny trail back to Genesis 14, but uh, I, I would remind you in, in Genesis 14, eight, uh, 18 through 22. If you feel the call of bunnies, go ahead. So I, I didn't catch that, Mark. I said, if you feel the call of the bunnies, Ray, go ahead. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, I'll let the bunnies trample just a little bit. Um, when we get uh, get back to uh, those verses, and let me pull that up on my uh, computer right now, uh, the uh, you'll recall that uh, Abram has just gone up into the uh, to rescue his nephew Lot. And he's taken uh, the the kings, uh, the five kings with him, and they go up and they smack everybody that's up in this area that's around Mount Hermon and Syria, Lebanon, all all up in in this area here, and they're coming back. And uh, the king of uh, Sodom, they 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 stop and they meet this fellow uh, called uh, Melchizedek, who is the king of Salem. Salem being Jerusalem, Salem. And in my version, I'm reading out of ESV, it said that he was a priest of the God Most High. <clears throat> and he said, of course, God Most High is El Elyon. And, he, and it says, and he blessed him and said, blessed be Abram uh, by God, by the God Most High, El Elyon, uh, uh, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the God Most High again, El Elyon, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And in my version, it incorrectly says, and Abram, gave him a tenth of everything. In the Hebrew, it doesn't specify who gave who. In in the Hebrew, it says, and, and he gave him a tenth of everything. Right. So who's he? Exactly. You know, exactly. Uh, and, and the reason that I bring this up is because Melchizedek uh, is, identifies himself as being a, a priest of El Elyon. Right. Well, we assume that's the Hebrew El Elyon. I don't know why we do, but we do. And I think it's fascinating that we notice that Abram later on in verse 22 says, but Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up my hands to yod heh God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, that I would not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that's yours, lest you should say I have made Abram rich. Abram makes it very, very clear which God he is serving. And I think what's being said here is, I, I am not, uh, I am not, I don't serve El Elyon, this Canaanite deity. I serve Yodhevavhe, who is, all, who is also a God most high. But, and, and, and God, a God most high there is being used as a title, not as a name. And, um, so I think there, there's, there's stuff there's stuff going on there in Daniel 4 uh, in the dream that uh, Nebuchadnezzar has about how he's going to become a tall tree and this and that. And, and Daniel basically says, hey, buddy, uh, what this dream means is you're going to be eating grass with the cows for a while, <laughs> seven years, if I recall right. Um, <clears throat> but in the Akkadian, which Daniel is writing, again, we have this God most high. Even in Second Thessalonians 2.4, which is a very common passage 
uh, uh, most folks know this, this passage in linking the Antichrist and being seated in the temple of God, God and proclaiming himself God himself again uses only there in the Greek they use, uh, I don't have it at my fingertips. It's uh, Apocolo, uh, Apollyon or, or, or something, uh, that he is the God most high in all this. So, I just throw all those things out there to let you, to, to, to see that, uh, Isaiah is, is, is linking the God of ba- uh, uh, Babylon, uh, to, uh, uh, uh to the, the, the cosmology that's around here, which is not a good one. And, and he's basically saying, you know, yeah, and you've said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven and all this. Now, all of this can easily be linked to, uh, Satan. Uh, to Lucifer, if you will, uh, if exactly. we go back to Genesis three, I think there's a link there in the garden. Certainly, if you go in in uh, Revelation, uh, especially in twelve seven through ten and in twenty two sixteen, we see linkage with with these terms and the morning star and and, and all this sort of stuff. Uh, uh, as uh, well, Lucifer is obviously the uh, animating force right. behind the the Antichrist, the false prophet. The, the other place. So I blathered long enough. Oh no, I was going to say the other place that we will see this reference, and I forget right now. It's, I know it's in the Torah. It's one of the places it's referenced during the Pesach um, uh, traditional seder is what are called the four I wills of the Creator. So you'll often see that contrast. You know, the uh, Yod Hey Vav Hey has his oh, four yes. I wills, and uh, and so does uh, Hasatan. Well, the adversary here, Hasatan. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the the ever. <laughs> The, the imitator always, yes. Yeah, and, and let me throw out one more thing, and then we'll go to MP and let him comment too, because um, you're right, there are some really interesting parallels in here. I think one of the things, and we'll see this as we go through the next couple of chapters, that is perhaps confusing about um, uh, Isaiah, and indeed a lot of the prophets, but especially things that, A, we don't get much study of them in Sun God Day School, particularly because some of them are kind of unpleasant, all the references to idolatry that smack so much of exactly what we see in the, uh, I'll use this term, the whore church, so they don't like to talk about that. But the other ones are some of the parallels here with um, uh, times and places, like we're going to see a lot with Moab, for instance. But there's this, too. Yes. The, um the whole set of references to Hasatan, and we've just finished talking a lot about Babylon. We're going to see some references to Babylon. And the king of Babylon uh, seems to be often, so far as the prophets are concerned, especially Isaiah, uh, they, he seems to like to compare the king of Babylon to, uh, if not Lucifer, because that's the proper name, and you're, you're right, it's, it's, um, it gets conflated in various languages, but certainly to Hasatan the adversary, because the king of Babylon uh, is, um, until he gets used by the creator for his own purposes and even then he's got some adversarial characteristics but the king of babylon certainly is often the adversary amen yeah um okay mp you want to add something on that uh well something similar yeah <laughs> yeah i'd love to get started in verse 13 here it has uh, hasatan saying i will go right up to yah's throne room carrying my own throne with me to set it up after I demolish him and his throne. Now, I, I will set my own throne in its, his throne's place, and then I will rule with a rod of iron forever. 
except Yah didn't want him to do that, and so it didn't happen. So <laughs> here's a Zamorous yep. comment on verse 13. Okay, and you said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens, I shall sit in the Mount of the Assembly on the flanks of the north, in verse 13. The Mount of the Assembly alludes to the Temple Mount, Israel's meeting place on pilgrim festivals. The choicest part of the Azarah, that is the central temple courtyard, was the north where the Holy of Holies sacrifices had to be slaughtered. It was because Nebuchadnezzar dared to set his hand against Elohim's temple that he came to such an ignominious end. That's the end of what Azamra has to say in verse 13. Now, here's my commentary on all of that. Now, where is the sanctuary of the millennial temple? Okay? We went over this a couple of months ago in our discussion of Yechezkel. The altar of burnt offering, according to Stone's Tanakh's diagram of it, is facing north, and the offering priest would approach it, not without an offering, on the ramp from the south. No one will ever be foolish enough to walk up that ramp without an offering in hand, and there are a lot of priests working on providing the sacrifices in the numerous chambers near the corners of the inner courtyard, where the sacrificial offerings were slaughtered and prepared for the official offering by the Kohen Haggadol. I think, as he approaches the ramp to the altar of burnt offering from the south, the Holy of Holies directly to his left, the west. The Holy of Holies is under the western wall. Yes, the western wall, like the one that's the only thing that's still standing from the old temple, okay, in, in this day. Now, verse 13 speaks of in the sides of the north, and that introduces verse 14's quote of Lucifer, as Yah began to quote him in verse 12. Uh, and it says that this there. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut off, or cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of Elohim, and I will sit upon also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Fortunately, he's full of something that stinks to high heaven and has no idea what he's actually talking about. He's boasting about his plans that he knew before he had even thought of them, that they were just his pride and arrogance talking, with no clue about how he was going to displace his creator. He knew that he didn't have a snowball's chance of getting away, or any of it rather, to come to pass. But he was smarter than the average human, and actually got most of them, humans, to believe that he was the smartest the most powerful being in existence. But, and by the way, the heights of the clouds is not really all that high. I oh, have yeah. to think just from that, that he'd never actually been outside the Earth's atmosphere. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make some references to some C.S. Lewis books here. He'd never been outside of Earth's fulcandron atmosphere. Okay? Not even to Paralandra or Malacandra, which are the two planets that are closest to us, okay, in the uh, C.S. Lewis uh, space trilogy, okay? By the way, 
unless he's hitched a ride on the NASA mission, Hasatan hasn't ever left the Earth's atmosphere. He's Earthbound. That must really tick him off. That's what I got through in verses 13 and 14. Okay. Can go on, I will. Uh, but, no, uh, no, let's... You probably want to yeah. take me apart on that. Go for it. No, we, we actually talked about a lot of that last time. So let's, uh, Ray, did you have anything else you want to add, or, or we'll continue? Uh, not not at this point in time. Again, just reminding uh, our listeners in this that, that Isaiah is uh, is prophesying to the near term of what will shortly come to pass exactly. uh, in, in several decades and that they will they will be able to see all of this come to fruition. But also he's got the long view or the eschatological view of the end times as well. And again, that becomes even um, after we read history and see, yeah, here's what he uh, here's what he proposed. Here's what's happened. Sure enough, this is exactly what happens to the king of Babylon. This is exactly what happens uh, in history and happened historically. That gives us an earnest payment to realize that he indeed did have his eyes set on on the heavenly things and we can expect the the uh, eschatological parts of those things if the former came true you better take it to the bank that those things that are described in the end times will come true as well so it it, it really bears uh bears on us uh taking some time and spending some time with these prophecies and trying to figure out well okay what do you suppose he's saying how would it look now what would what would be coming to pass? I know as we get a little further along, um, <clears throat> especially as we start talking about Philistia and a few things there, which of course is is the is is uh, uh, the Gaza Strip. Now, there's a whole lot of that that I think we can bring right up to to current day stuff. Uh, and I, I know we'll get there later on today, but uh, anyway, yeah, I, I I'm with you, especially as as the uh, uh, as Isaiah looks and just says, you know, are, are we to believe that you're the one that did all this? How, how could we be so foolish as to be afraid of you? Um, that That's really good advice. Uh, uh, you know, the, to um, be careful where we put, where we uh, ascribe great power and all this. I mean, it's not to say that he doesn't have power, but he, the only power he has over us uh, is the power that we grant him. So we've got to be, we have to keep that in the back of our minds that, that we're the ones that, that, that let him in. Uh, uh, yeah. you know, and, and he, he's, he's, he's very good at deceiving. Let's not make absolutely no mistake about any of that. Uh, he's very good at it, but we're the ones that have to let him in in the first place. Yeah. So. He's, he's good enough. He could be a cabinet right. minister. Yep. So we're in, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, are we re- if we're ready, let's go ahead and read on then. So um, sure. we're going to continue with the theme anyway, but with a slight twist. That's quite why I wanted to, to stop there. All the kings, it says, of the nations, the goyim, all of them sleep in glory, everyone in his own house. So we're going we're gonna to see a, parent, a point made here about some kings that are at least, uh, while they were kings, they deserve a little bit of honor in their after, uh, after death time. But maybe not everybody. But you, he says, are cast out of your grave like an abominable uh, branch. Like the garment of those who are slain, thrust through with a sword, who go down to the stones of the pit, like a corpse trodden underfoot, 
And this is the verse that I really wanted to focus on as we go through it. This one almost leaps off the page at me today, and I think everybody will see why. You, he says, is he talking to people that are still walking the earth? You are not to be joined with them in burial because you have destroyed your land and slain your people. Now, think about that. He's saying, hey, you're a scumbag. You have destroyed your own land. Gee, does that sound familiar? And slain your own people. But wait, there's going to be more. The brood of evildoers shall never be named. There's a Hebrew term I like, Menachemo. May his name be forgotten. And unfortunately, what the break? We'll pick it up after we get back. And I pray, don't take me soon, because I am here for a reason. Sometimes in my tears I drown, but I never let it get me down. So when negativity surrounds, I know someday We ended the uh, first half there of the, um, the first hour of the show at verse 20, and uh, MP told me I got interrupted by the music. So uh, uh, the line I was trying to remember is the, and I probably butchered the pronunciation. Some of you have heard it from um, uh, rabbinic sources and those who grew up in traditional Judaism, Menachemo, right? Somebody says the name Adolf Hitler or uh, eventually, you know, the Biden few or others, and the answer is Menachemo. May his name be forgotten. And um, this is at least one place where you see something very much like that because verse 20 says to these um, bad kings evildoers you will not be joined with them the honorable kings in burial because you have destroyed your own land and slain your own people again this is what we get when we see people that are uh, uh, literally at odds not only with the constitution but killing folks and um uh, you know, I witnessed uh, Fauci and the Zyklon B injections and so forth. And um, you are literally destroying your own land. The brood of evildoers shall never be named. There it is. And this next verse, I'll read ahead just a bit more. Prepare slaughter for his children. What? You mean the ones that made their own laptops and showed how they were nothing but uh, crackhead whoremeisters? Because of the Torahlessness, the iniquity of their fathers. Yeah, the father's bad, too. He's the big guy. Lest they rise up and, uh-oh, listen of this, possess the land and fill the face of the world with cities. With what? Cesspool cities. I mean, as I read through this, right, 
Uh, yes, I'm adding the current references in here, but I can't help but think everything that this is talking about, everything that this is saying uh, is bad, is exactly what's being done today. They are filling the world with their cesspool cities that are literally cancers on the earth, and they're bringing in all kinds of invaders to populate them and destroy them as well. So it's uh, it's astounding to me how uh, you could say prophetic this is. All right, uh, who wants it? Um, go ahead, Mark. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I'll, let me jump on that. I'll, I'll, let me cover 15 to 17 anyway. Um, well, but if there's anything else Ray yeah. wants to say on that same subject, let him go ahead and do that first. Uh, I thought maybe you had more you wanted to add specifically about the parallel there. Oh, well, the parallel is, is almost impossible to miss. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, you, you, see the, you see the Russian and the, and the uh, uh, Ukrainian thing going on, right? And the, and the Russia is in cahoots with China, and uh, the the Ukrainians can't get anything done. But in the meanwhile, that is the seat of Gog and Magog. Okay, is up into that neighborhood. It's, it, Gog and Magog came from the north of Israel, and if you go due north of Jerusalem, you're going to run right over the the boundary of Ukraine and Russia. Okay, and that's where they were at, Gog and Magog. So I'm thinking that we're seeing Gog and Magog that's going to come at the end of time, okay? And the end of time is just over the, over the horizon as far as we're concerned. That's, that's the way I see it anyway. I could be wrong, and, you know, I might be proven that way, but it certainly looks that way to me right okay. now. We are on the verge. Okay. Ray, Ray, do you have anything you want to add on where we're at specifically with respect <clears throat> to these? Uh, just just a, a, a quick observation, and I know uh, uh, MP wants to go back and, and talk about a few of the uh, previous verses, which is all good. I, I think what we're seeing in this passage is that, um, yeah, one of the worst things to happen in ancient, uh, uh, ancient Israelite society was to be forgotten, to have your name removed, yep. to, to, uh, to, to all this. It was truly truly a fate worse uh, worse than death and uh, another thing especially in verse 20 mark that was the one that jumped out at you uh and all this and it said may, may the my version says may the offspring of evildoers never more be named I, I would just draw that there is an old testament principle that that is in force here that that forbids human the human judicial process and I'm going to clarify that in a minute. The human judicial process from punishing children for parental sins yep. and all that. Each person is responsible for themselves and and gets the the benefit or the the punishment uh, for the for their actions and all this. But I'll take us back just for a moment back to Exodus 34. Uh, this is where Moses is up on the mountain. He wants to see God's face. And, and, and Yodhe is speaking of himself in this quote, and he says, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity or lawlessness of the fathers on the children and on the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Now, the, the reason I bring this up is this is divine judicial process. Absolutely. Which is a whole different kettle of fish than human judicial process, <laughs> especially now. Uh, 
Well, yeah, when when we have any judicial process at all, which we don't seem to have much here in the United States anyway right now. And just noticing, and I'll let MP go back because as he talks about these other things, you know, he, there, he's, he's not going to have a tomb. He's not going to be, I mean, my gosh, he's just going to be utterly erased, uh, and all that. But, uh, that's, that's my comment, at least on 20 and 21, because it, uh, oh, one last thing, 21. <laughs> and fill the face of the world with cities. We're not at this point in time, uh, back in uh, uh, Isaiah's day, all that far removed from this this city called Babel. Yep. yep. And so we, we trace we trace Babylon back to Babel. We trace much of the iniquity of the uh, 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 of the of the world after the flood to this place. And what did they all say? They said we will be we. All the I will statements you just read, that's what the people of Babylon said. And that's why he's never going to, never going to allow that to happen again. So that, that, that that's my thoughts there. And, and, and Mark, go back and, and, and guess yeah. up some of the four verses. Yeah, we will be like the most high is what they were saying. In this. Right. Yeah, right. Like, good luck with that. Anyway. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Verse 15 tells us that uh, hell is the sides of the pit. I, if it's the pit, it must be a specific pit. Okay, according to the TSK's cross-references, uh, Treasure of Scripture Knowledge, this is the same pit that we saw in Ezekiel 32 and verse 23, low those many moons ago. Here's what it says in verses 22 and 23 of Ezekiel chapter 32. Asher is there and all her company, her, his graves about him, all of them slain, fallen by the sword, whose graves are set in the sides of the pit, and her enemy is round about her grave. All of them slain, fallen by the sword, which caused terror in the land of the living. Now, pit is translated from the Hebrew root uh, 953, Beit Vav Resh, Bur, a cistern or a prison or a dungeon. Yep. This is where Hasatan is headed. He knows it. And he's known it for a long time and will do everything he can to throw monkey wrenches into Yah's plans. Of course, the only problem Hasatan has with that is that Yah knows what he's thinking and the plans that he makes, even before Hasatan finishes the thoughts and devises the plans. Because Yah is in all places and times right now. And now. And and I think you get it. Okay. Verse 16, Yah says, <laughs> uses the Hebrew 7686 Shagach uh, to view or to concentrate attention, which KJV translates as to narrowly look. Stare? Which, what's that? Mine says stare. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. exactly. To yeah. narrowly look. That's what a stare is. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, which which phrase gives the impression of narrowing the opening of his eyes to slits while slightly turning his head just a few degrees to his dominant side. For me, that's to the right. And probably furrowing his brow like while thinking, what's wrong with that boy? Okay, that's the <laughs> idea that I'm getting anyway. Uh, there was a, a sitcom on early evening TV in the mid-90s, or 70s rather, 
with a, a youngest kid who would do his facial expression to perfection. This facial expression. He'd scrunch it all up and go, what you talking about? It's amazing. That's what came to my head. That's what, what yeah, I was talking about. I remember it. I can't think of the show. <laughs> uh, uh, I can't remember the name of it either right off. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah, young young black kid. And Anyway, yeah. the difference between the sitcom and the future reality that we're looking at in this chapter of Isaiah is that Yah is asking the question, already knowing the answer to it. Now, you know, I'm, I'm uh, presence. He knows everything. He's there right now and now. Now, do you get the real reality of that? Yah knows. That's all you need to know is Yah knows. Whatever it is that you want to know about, he knows. Anything that you want to do, he already knows. Okay, we ain't getting away with anything. Not one thing. When I was a kid, like 60, 63 years ago, there was a guy on Cleveland television in the mid to late afternoon. Called himself Captain Penny. He was dressed up in an engineer's outfit, right? A railroad engineer. And he signed off his, comp his program with this. He says, you can fool some of the people all of the time. And you can feed, fill, uh, uh, fool all of the people some of the time. But you can't fool mom. Right? <laughs> now, he's on TV right after school lets out. Right? So kids are coming home. They're going to watch this show. It's a kid's show, right? So anyway, so my mom would holler from the kitchen, you heard him. <laughs> Which meant she heard him, too. Now, I don't know about y'all's houses, houses, but my mom knew everything we did before we did it. She was spooky. She, she must have remembered when she was a kid. And how she used to pull, try to pull stuff over her parents. Anyway, verse 17, still speaking of anti-Mashiach, who is not very far into the future and may actually be on the world scene as I type, in my not-so-humble opinion, will turn the world, the entire world, into a wilderness. That word translates translated wilderness is midbar, which yeah. literally means from the wilderness. The midbar is... Uh, as most of you know, is means in the wilderness. In the wilderness, yeah. Yep. The fourth book of, <clears throat> of Moshe is Bamidbar, in the wilderness. That's exactly where they were. Okay, so <laughs> in verse 17 is telling us that Hasatan has made the world as a wilderness by destroying the cities of men and everything else on its surface. By the way, please keep in mind that Yeshayahu has been translated to uh, has been translated to our future so that he can see all of this and describe it to us in intimate detail. Okay? We may see it soon and in our day. We may see it like next week, as a matter of fact. It's that close, in my own opinion. And that's what I got through verse 17 of this chapter. Okay. Uh, Ray, you want to you wanna add anything else or are you ready to read on? Uh, I think we've just got about two more verses uh, in this chapter, which uh, provides a, a, a nice conclusion. I think we can probably finish up 14. 
Okay, I think there's more than a more than two verses, but we'll we'll go ahead and get it anyway. So lest they rise up and fill the land with exactly what they're filling the land with. For he says it this way, verse twenty two, for I will rise up against them, says Yahuwah Zevuot, and cut off from Babylon the name and remnant and offspring and posterity, says Yahuwah. So he's gonna basically cut it off hard. I will also make it a possession for the porcupine and marshes of muddy water. I'll sweep it with the broom of destruction, says Yahuwah Zevuo. Now, that's probably a good place to break. I don't remember what Ray said in his notes, but um, if you want to pause there, let's go to you, Ray, and if not, I'll read on. Uh, just, just uh, again, it, it's this is one of these statements that lets you know uh, who's in charge. As MB was talking about... Uh, just just a minute ago, he's making a very, very definitive statement. I will rise up against these people. I will take care of this. Uh, my uh, translation, I went ahead and looked up hedgehog, which I, I, I think it's an interesting translation. <laughs> uh, that's uh, 7090 uh, kipod, which also comes back to owl. Very interesting, this notion of an owl. Uh, I was just, uh, before the show, trying to find out what the ancient name of the ancient uh, Canaanite god was that took the form of an owl. Because, as you know, uh, the folks up with the Bohemian Grove uh, in Northern California and all that uh, perform all kinds of ceremonies to that owl god at the beginning of their, uh, That's right. their get-together rituals. each August, yeah. I think it is, if I'm remembering correctly, and they, they burn an effigy of of, uh, of what they call care, C-A-R-E. Right. And, and I'm not sure if, if care or care or something, that might actually be the name uh, of this, uh, of this uh, thing, but uh, very much, very pagan, uh, uh, stuff going on and, and all of that. And again, back to this, this thing here. So in, in my, tra- and I will make it a possession of, it could read hedgehog, mine does in the ESV, or it could read a possession of the owl, the screech owl and pools of water and, you know, da, da, da. so whatever that is, it, it ain't, it ain't a good thing. Uh, the other thing is, is I will sweep it with the broom of destruction. <laughs> That's a really wonderful poetic term, uh, 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 you know, because uh, uh, Yahuwah's broom certainly sweeps clean. <laughs> That's all I got to say on that. All right, all right. Uh, MP. Yeah, let me uh, let me jump on seventeen to twenty or eighteen to twenty rather. Um, all the kings in all of the world's empires, in our past, present, and future, are lying in their graves for Yeshiyahu to see and describe in pretty explicit detail. Do me a favor, please. If I somehow get to be a pompous dictator and enter the ranks of these kings, just destroy my flesh and scatter the ashes to the wind. I do not want to be one of these. And even with the Dane Bramage from the close encounter with a ton of tree, and Yah's favor to my family and me to bring me to this moment, I'm smart enough to know that I what I really don't want, nor do I know how to deal with that kind of power. 
Okay, I can really see myself acting in exactly the same way uh, were it me. Okay, <laughs> this here's a Zamra on verses 18 to 20, uh, verses 18 and 19 anyway. All the kings of the nations lie in glory, but you are cast out of your grave like an abhorred branch. Rashi on verse 19 tells us that Nebuchadnezzar was uh, reduced to the status of a wild beast, as told in Daniel chapter 4. Yes. His son, evil Merodach, became regent. But after Nebuchadnezzar returned to the throne, he put evil Merodach in prison. When Nebuchadnezzar died, the people released Abel Merodach and asked him to become king, but he refused, fearing that his father was not really dead, and that if he returned to the throne, he would kill him. In order to prove that Nebuchadnezzar was dead, they pulled him out of the grave, in fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. Okay? Mm -hmm. Isaiah prophesied that he was going to be pulled out of there. TSK has this note on verse 19. The prophet having briefly set forth in the beginning of the chapter the deliverance of Judah from captivity in consequence of the destruction of Babylon, then introduces this triumphant song, the beauties of which are excellently illustrated by Bishop Loth. Now, <laughs> I'm not sure who Bishop Loth was, but anyway, he was a guy in the Middle Ages kind of thing. Now, in verse 18, all of the kings die a lie in glory. But in verses 19 and 20, thou, as in Nebuchadnezzar, is to be, presumably, dug up and dumped out on the ground for the beasts of the earth, both human and non-human, to feed on. Assyria would be the perps of this act of defilement, mainly because the strategic and also contingency planning that Nebuchadnezzar probably engaged in leading up to battles. Okay? Of course, this verse could not be truly fulfilled until Nebuchadnezzar was actually defeated, which eventually had to happen. Even Patton, at times, had to retreat, though it galled him. I found this online at Livius.org. They said, according to Daniel, the Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar, suffers from a mental illness and lives isolated for seven years. Yep. until he acknowledges the power of the one Elohim. From cuneiform texts, nothing is known about Nebuchadnezzar's mental health. Of course, that doesn't mean that Yah got it wrong, only that there's no other witness that the secularists acknowledge. Nebuchadnezzar was has acknowledged Daniel's Yah as the one true Eloha in Daniel chapter 4. Whence I get this particular overview, and here's what it says. This is a regular decree, and one of the most ancient extent. And don't doubt, and no doubt, uh, contains the exact words of Nebuchadnezzar, copied out by Daniel from the state papers of Babylon, and preserved in the original language. So that, that decree in Daniel chapter 4 is quite literally exactly what Nebuchadnezzar said. Okay? And mm -hmm. that's where I'm, where I'm at on, up to verse 20. Okay. Um, Ray, do you want to add anything, or are you ready to move on? Uh, no, I, I, think, I, I think that's, uh, again, uh, 
Yeah. Okay, let's. I'm good. Uh, unless unless MP wants to, to because we've kind of. Uh, I was mistaken. I thought at the end of uh, 23, end of the chapter, it doesn't. It just ends this. The, the, the subject of Babylon, because we move on to Assyria in just a moment. Uh, but uh, I don't know if, if at this point in time, if uh, 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 MP, if you've got some final uh, yeah, well, can, quotes uh, to make on some of the end of this, let's kind of tidy this whole thing up. We're coming up on the end of the hour. Yeah, the end of the hour is in about 10 seconds here. So uh, About a minute. Anyway, um, yeah, I'll, I'll jump on 21 to 23 and see what we can do there. Um, Zimmer has this overview. Uh, the contemporary relevance of the present prophecy about Nebuchadnezzar's fall may become clearer if we reflect on Saddam Hussein of Iraq, mm. who is known to have considered himself the reincarnation of Nebuchadnezzar. Also, met a highly ignominious end. He was actually filmed being hanged after some years of imprisonment following his capture while hiding in an underground pit. Likewise, yes. the, bloodshed, the bloodshed and destruction that have overtaken Iraq since invasion of the country in 2002 seem to be latter-day fulfillment of these ancient prophecies about the calamity that would befall Babylon. Should be pretty close here. May I say that I completely forgot that Saddam had believed himself to be reincarnated Nebuchadnezzar. All right, well, we are at the break, so we'll talk about other kinds of things that people believe when we get back. I pray, don't take me soon, because I am here for a reason. Sometimes in my tears I drown, but I never let it get me down. So when negativity surrounds, I know someday Sometimes I under the moon. Welcome to the Torah Teachers Roundtable, Apostolic Edition, with your hosts Rob Miller, Mark Patron, and yours truly, Mark Call. We hope you'll find this discussion entertaining, thought-provoking, and that above all, you'll be like the Bereans and search out the scriptures for yourself to see if these things be true. Welcome back, folks. This is the Torah Teachers Roundtable, Tanakh Edition. We are talking about the book of Yeshayahu and about so many parallels. It seems like there are a lot of parallels in the uh, in the prophecies, but uh, especially of late and especially in here, they're, uh, they're almost uh, too blatant to ignore. In any case, when we got to the break, we interrupted MP. He wasn't quite finished, so let's go back to him and let him do that. Um, pick it up where you'd like, Mark. All right. I think I've covered through verse 20, so let's go to 21 to 23 anyway. Um, Azamra has this overview on 21 to 23. They say uh, the the contemporary relevance of the present prophecy about Nebuchadnezzar's fall may become clearer if we reflect that Saddam Hussein of Iraq, who is, oh, I've already read this. 
Okay. Uh, this, uh, yeah, but there's stuff here that I want to cover here. Okay. <laughs> May I say that I completely forgot that Saddam had believed himself to be reincarnated Nebuchadnezzar. Right. Um, you want to talk about a complete whack job dictator? Saddam would be him. Oh, and wait a second. I said that was a bad guy, but I, I got some other nominees that I would throw out there, MP. But go ahead anyway and make your point. Oh, go for it. Name a couple more because this guy was an absolute whack job. He was completely nuts. Oh, well, I'll swap him for the guy that's, uh, that's infesting the Oval Office now because at least, you know, Saddam might have thought he was in control as opposed to just signing anything that's put in front of him and uh, working so hard to destroy his own land. So, uh, you know, not that he wasn't up to it, oh, yeah. but but uh, honestly, you know, look around the world today, and I'd be hard-pressed to point to anybody that is um, more effective uh, at being a puppet used to destroy their own government through treason than what we've got locally here. Maybe oh, I'm just absolutely. prejudiced and because you know, of what we're seeing here. The president is even stupider than he is. Well, <laughs> stupid is what stupid <laughs> is as stupid it does. It amazes me. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't hear that. No, as stupid is stupid is as stupid does. Some uh, somebody said that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. The worst administration I've ever seen in Washington D.C. and and they seem to truly want to destroy the country. That's that was my I mean, point. That seems to be what's what their whole plan is to completely destroy the country, not be able to get to the next election. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, what a, what a, anyway, the spirits that led the Kana'ani and the Persian Babylonian dictators of the 650 to 500 BCE Israel were used of Yah to give Israel warning and to try to persuade them back to him. And there was, has never been a time when he completely turned away from his people. <coughs> completely turning away happened only one time and the person that turned away from uh, he turned away from rather was himself in the flesh of Yeshua while he paid for our sins your sins and mine on his tree around 2000 years ago the word that's translated besom of destruction okay is matate which derives from the uh, the Hebrew 2916 uh, tit believe it or not mire t uh, Tav, Yud, Tav. Meyer. So the Besom equals Meyer. Unable to gain traction it is its current, in this case, meaning they can't get any traction to escape what's coming. Isn't that how Yah often gets our attention? When we start, we start spinning our wheels and can't get away from the, from the trouble that we've got? I think okay. a lot of folks and have that dream. Been, been completely disregarding who he is and what he can do and and we're trying to get there ourselves that's what that's what makes me crazy and because i i find myself doing it a lot <laughs> instead instead of turning to him immediately i i try to i try to uh to do it myself and i i just fall down on my face and then i go sorry uh help me out here will you <laughs> It's pretty much, it pretty much happens, uh, well, it happens on a pretty regular basis. And I'm sure that it happens with pretty much everybody on a regular basis. You just forget sometimes that he's there all the time waiting 
for you to say, hey, would you help me out? Because he will. Anyway, that's what I got through verse 23. Okay. Uh, Ray? I, I pretty much did my, my wrap-up uh, uh, before, so I'm ready to go on. All right. I am too. Let's let's okay. continue then. Um, All right. Let's see. I'll tell you what. I've got, a, I've got a little bit left, maybe uh, four or five minutes. And then we can. Uh, I'll. I'll just have to wing it as I go from there. Okay. okay. Well, let's try to have uh, verses twenty-four to twenty-seven. Go ahead. The prophesied fall of Assyria. We okay. haven't read that yet. Done in uh, Isaiah's own time in Hezekiah's fourteenth year, would be proof that Elohim's word would later be fulfilled against Babylon as well, and that's just an amazing, an amazing point that Azamra puts here. I mean, in in those three verses, is they're letting you know, uh, and Yah is letting you know that He's going to take care of it. I wish you would stop trying to get ahead of me, <laughs> you know. Or it's, that's basically what what they're saying anyway. And uh, then uh, verses twenty eight to thirty two um, make up a complete prophecy in itself about the retribution that was to come upon the Philistines. The specific dating of this prophecy to the year of the death of King Ahaz suggests that the various prophecies about the fall of Babylon and Assyria were delivered prior to this. Ahaz practiced blatant idolatry in Judah and was punished by being beset by enemies. The earlier chapters of Isaiah, chapter 7 and following, spoke about the invasion of Yehuda by Retzin, king of Aram, and Pekah, ben Ramalia, the king of Israel. We also learn that in the book of Chronicles, in Chronicles 28, 2 Chronicles 28, 18, that the Philistines rebelled against Judean dominion in the lowlands and coastal region in the time of Ahaz. The present prophecy, dating from his death and the ascent to the throne of his son, the righteous Hezekiah, foretells the out of the serpent's root shall come a viper. Our uh, present chapter, verse 29, okay, where it says, uh, Rejoice not thou whole Palestina, because the rod of him that smote thee is broken. For out of the serpent's root shall come forth a cockatrice, and his fruit shall be fiery, a fiery flying serpent. That's what he's talking A cockatrice is a poisonous snake bite you on the foot, and it, and it burns, okay, is the way it sounds. The serpent refers to Ahaz, while the viper, which is much more dangerous, refers to Hezekiah, who smote the Philistines to Gaza and her borders from the Watcher's Tower to the Fortress City. We look forward to the re-fulfillment of this prophecy against the Philistines in our time, Azamra says. When the fire of violence and destruction that today emanate from Gaza will be extinguished forever and the firstborn of the poor, i.e. the poor of Israel, so then they tell you to look at Rashi, shall feed and the needy shall lie down in safety. In verse 30. The whole, the whole point is that what we're seeing happening in Israel right now was prophesied way back then. And it keeps repeating itself and repeating itself and repeating itself until we get it. When we finally get it, that'll be the end of, uh, of this particular age of the world, I guarantee it. But we don't seem to get it. 
and the people of the world certainly don't. Anyway, that's what I got for this chapter, 14. All right, Ray, do you have anything else you want to add, or are you ready to read on now? I think we're all ready to read on, right? Well, uh, yeah, I, I was thinking we were going to read first and then comment, but uh, I, why don't yeah. you pick it up at 1424 and oh. and read down to uh, – uh, 27 or, or, or even on to the no, end just, of the, yeah, the chapter and then we can, let's we can, do that. We can go with it from there. Go ahead. Okay. Um, surely. Okay. The Yahuwah Zevuot, it says the Lord of hosts, of course, and you know that, uh, I'm not wild about that. I like to keep his name in there the way he wrote it. Yahuwah Zevuot has sworn saying, surely, as I have thought, so it shall come to pass. And as I have purposed, so it shall stand that I will break the Assyrian in my land and on my mountains tread him underfoot. Then his yoke shall be removed from them and his burden removed from their shoulders. This is the purpose that is purposed against the whole Eretz, uh, the whole earth, and this is the hand that is stretched um, out over all the Goyim, the nations. For Yahuwah Zebuot has purposed, and who will annul it? His hand is stretched out, and who will turn it back? And then it says, the last few verses here, this is the burden which came in the year that King Ahaz died. Excuse me. Um, Do not rejoice, all of you Philistine. I MP read ahead here on some of this. Because the rod that struck you is broken. For out of the serpent's roots will come forth a viper, and its offspring will be a fierce flying serpent. I, I suspect, I don't have it sitting here, I'll, I'll look it up. I believe that word is probably uh, nakash in this case, but there's another word or two, so we'll find that in a second. Uh, the firstborn of the poor will feed, and the needy will, be, uh, will lie down in safety, and I'll kill your roots with famine, and it will slay your remnant. Wail, O gate, cry, O city, all of you Philistia are dissolved, for smoke will come from the north, and no one will be alone in his appointed times. What will they answer, the messengers of the nation, that Yahuwah uh, has founded Zion, that the poor of his people shall take refuge in it? So um, kind of an interesting combination there. Uh, go ahead, Ray. Let's go to you this time. Uh, interesting. Just... Uh and and an MP uh, spoke about this, uh, but the uh, well, actually, I'm I'm I've gone on to I need to say just a couple of things on Assyria to begin with. So this uh, he is basically uh, telling them this is what's going to happen to the Assyrians who are already who are already up there, uh, and and what I'm going to do to take care of them. Uh, in 1425, I will break uh, the Assyrian in my hand, and uh, uh, so on and so forth. I'm trying to find it. Is it 25? I'm looking for later in Isaiah. I think it's chapter 37. Yeah, in uh, later on Isaiah, there is uh, the um, the fulfillment of this happens in 37. It says the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when the people arose early in the morning and behold, there were all the dead bodies. And it goes on to talk about this. So this, this is, uh, this is the prophecy made here. And then in, uh, in chapter 37, we get the actual near fulfillment, uh, of that and, and what's going on. He goes on to say it, and it's just quite, uh, uh, quite interesting 
that that you know he says this this is the purpose that that I have purposed. In other words, I I have got I I've got this planned. This is what's going to happen. My arm is going to stretch out and hand's going to stretch out over all the nations. This is a a, a worldwide uh, power, a worldwide prophecy. Uh, in uh, in uh, 27, um, it, it goes on to say that uh, that the the uh, Yehovah of hosts, Sebaot, has purpose to it. Who could have known it? His hand is stretched out. Who could turn it back? So this this is a this is a, a done a done deal as far as the Assyrians are concerned in the near uh, term, and then also we will see. I think again when we begin to look at where the ancient kingdom of Assyria was, and where now we see the the uh, the, the Syrians, Lebanese, the Turks, and all of and all of those are coming from this same very same area. I think we will we will see some eschatological um, outpouring of this <laughs> whole thing, and, and uh, MP spoke about that in, uh, in the first hour. Uh, yeah. That that that's that that absolutely is uh, from Gog and Magog. That that we will see them participating, and, and that's there. Um, in uh, well, do you want me to go on to Philistine or not, or to Philistia? Uh, you have some comments to make, Mark. No, I. Uh, the only comment I'll make, I already kind of alluded to, but let me point it out here. I, I always kind of find it fascinating. MP talked about the cockatrice and some other references in there. Well, it's it's interesting when you see yeah. some of these ancient, unusual words uh, to go back and look at the Hebrew. And in this case, the word nakash is in there. So it says that basically out of the yeah. serpent's root, so that word there is nakash. And then what's fascinating to me is that it says um, this cockatrice or this um, this different kind of uh, stinging poisonous thing and his fruit shall be ready. Now, this word is, is also interesting because it, it overlaps with some of the things we see, coppery colored serpent, serpent. remember the, 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 the snake on a stick that Moshe put up seraph. and so forth. Yeah, that's a seraph, the same word yeah. here, and it's actually seraph in two right. root words that are continued. So a, a seraph that flies, seraph, is, is what it is. So it's kind of like a super seraph. Whenever the Hebrew word is doubled, it's always interesting because it's basically telling you whatever it is, it's a normal connotation. Well, there's a lots of it here uh, and at least that's one way to look at it <laughs> yeah i think the idea behind that is that this is a this is a poisonous flying serpent okay the, the one that we saw earlier wasn't poisonous it would still wrap itself around you and crush you to death but this one will bite you too <laughs> that's what i think we're seeing there well the one yeah. that was in uh, one thing to Go ahead, Mark. No, I was just going to say the one that was there uh, when uh, when we see the uh, description in the in the Torah uh, was also the kind that would bite you. Yeah. The the one th- the one thing that just jumps off the page at, at me when we're talking about current day Philistia, and of course the 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 the, the cities of uh, Philistia at that time they were they were trying to. They were trying to make deals, uh, actually with, with Judah at the time to try to go up against Assyria. And they were, they were, they were trying some kind of crafty stuff and all this. And I think the point 
that uh, Isaiah is making in their near term is you just need God. You don't need the Philistines help. Just leave, leave them out of this deal. You really don't want to mess with these folks. Um, for, for us in our time, when we look at the folks that are still in that, in that same area that was the, the native ground of, of the, the Philistines, uh, is the Gaza, uh, uh of, uh, of current day. And the one thing that, what, what are they shooting in their thousands at Zion? Flying, fiery serpents. Yeah, it's a good point. I, I, and I, I can't, I can't. Whistles, exactly. Yes, I can't help but see the modern, the modern vision of that. I don't know what, uh, uh, Isaiah may have seen in his, his vision, but a flying, fiery serpent, boy, I'll tell you what, that would be a pretty good way using his, uh, the, the words that he knew to describe things, uh, that would, that would sure, make a whole lot of sense. And as you read through this, you know, uh, whale cry out, O city. Uh, you know, when they talk about the gate of the city, of course, that's the, the primary military target of the day to, to take a town was to take the city gate first. Sure. Uh, and you look at what the Israelis are doing right now as you read through uh, 32, and I just see modern-day Gaza all over this uh, – <laughs> This oracle here, uh, and, and maybe it's just me reading into things, but boy, it sure sounds an awful lot like they're just going to get stomped, uh, stomped flat. But, uh, oh, yeah. anyway, oh, yeah. <laughs> I guess time will tell. Yeah. Well, it's, what's interesting is the fiery serpent that we saw in, uh, what, verse 29? Um, the, 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 it, has a cross reference to uh, the, my Bible anyway. Has a cross yeah. reference to uh, chapter thirty and verse six uh, that says this: "The burden of the beasts of the south into the land of trouble and anguish, from whence the young and old lion, the viper, and the fiery flying serpent, they will carry their riches upon the shoulders to of young asses, and their treasures." upon the bunches of camels to a people that shall not profit. Okay, in the meanwhile, he's talking about a viper and a fiery flying serpent all together. And that's exactly what you were just describing. Uh, Hamas and Israel both uh, sending towards their enemy. Yes, well, you could certainly make, yeah, you can make a simile between one group being... uh, (laughs) A, 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 a Nachash and another group being a Saraf. <laughs> like yeah, sure. Yeah, and can. people can be confused and, and forgiven for being confused about whether there's all that much difference there. And well, that's that's true. In in the end, we're all just fruit, right? <laughs> well, here's here's an idea. The uh, the Saraf is is an angelic being. Okay. Yes, <laughs> maybe he's maybe he's got some fire, and the other one I can't remember what it was. Uh, Nakash. Yes, yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, he's definitely wicked. There are no two ways about it. Yes. So and I can see that the that the the the, uh, the adversaries are very close, closely matched adversaries. Okay, and it's only the uh, the the uh, yeah that's going to be able to make one or the other win. And guaranteed, it's not going to be the uh, 
the what do, what do we call it? The fiery serpent here? No, uh, Seraph. Yeah, my version, flying fiery serpent. Seraph, yeah. Seraph. Uh, but bear Maybe. in mind that, that the one thing that's, that, that's different about this, and I want to point it out, the, um, the Nahash was the adversarial force in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3, whereas yeah. the Seraph, at, yes. as we saw in the Torah, was the thing that was allowed to come after the people there of the land, the mixed multitude, were whining. And basically, he sent the, these fiery seraph among them, and it bit them. And then they had to look up at the uh, the serpent on a stick, the seraph on a stick, the uh, the coppery colored thing. In order, when they looked upon it, then they were saved. So the the metaphor here is just all over the place. It surely is. It surely is. And it, 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 that's the that's I think the whole point of using all of this uh, fiery serpent and you get, and a burning egg, whatever, you know, it, it, when they bite you, it, it burns. That, that's all giving you the idea that this is something that's going to hurt, but it's also something you can overcome. Okay? Uh, because you, you've got the two of them. You gotta lean towards the good guy, the seraph, and not towards the cockatrice, the adder. Okay? Mm-hmm. Oh, and interesting also, as we see at the, the very beginning, uh, chapters of, uh, of this book, that, that as he is viewing this, has this vision of the, of the heavenlies, the, the throne room, if you will, of, of, uh, of the Lord and, and all of that, and he is describing things, he describes ser- what we know as seraphim, of course, that's the the uh, Latinized version of this, but the six-winged uh, 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 angelic beings that that are are there and are, are providing uh, 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 they're kind of the buttress of, of of the throne room and all that, and and they are fiery as well. Yes. Uh, so they don't necessarily they're they're not necessarily bad, but then again, they're they're not. I think you're exactly right that we're talking about that they're they're earthly, they're earthly things that are rotten and spiritual things that are rotten too, and and in this particular case, from from one will will uh, the other will be brought forth from one from the serpent's root will come forth, then yeah. this this demonic thing, as we read in Revelation, we know that as the pits are opened. That we have all kinds of nasty creatures that show up here uh, to to torment human beings. All right. Well, we're at the break, so we'll uh, we'll come back after this. And I pray, don't take me soon, cause I am here for a reason. Sometimes in my tears I drown, but I never let it get me down. So when negativity surrounds, I know someday either love turn around because all my life I've been waiting for, I've been praying for, for the people to say that we don't want to fight no more. Come and many more. Come and 
All right, we are back, folks. Final segment for today, and we are about finished with Chapter 14. Let's go to Ray. He had something he wanted to add before we uh, finish up the, the rest of this one and move on. Just, just again, one, one uh, more kind of modern-day uh, look at this. In 1431 and 1432, if you're following along, it talks about whale o, o gate or city gate, cry out, O city, melt in fear, O Philistia, all of you, for smoke comes out of the north, and there are no stragglers in his ranks. If you look at, at what uh, the IDF is doing right now is they are they have come in from the east and from the north, and they are working their way south. Uh, <clears throat> it, it's it, uh, it's just it's it's just it, it couldn't be any more obvious than a button hook in the well water. I mean, there it is. That's exactly what they're doing. And, and the real takeaway from this whole whole thing for me is in 32. <clears throat> it says, "What will one answer the messengers of the nation?" So, what do you all say about this? What message can you draw from this? Yahuwah Sevoot founded Zion, and in her, the afflicted of his people find refuge. In other words, folks, uh, and I will say this to the IDF and to the the Jewish people and uh, to any of the of the Gentiles that are out there that have sense enough to listen. <clears throat> this is the Lord's work. Uh, it's sad. It, 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 this is you don't want to be on the wrong side of the creator of the universe. <laughs> uh, he has founded he has founded Zion. Uh, the afflicted people are going to find refuge there. He's going to take care of this thing, and it's a done deal. And um, I mean, uh, all the East Coast universities can just go up in flames. Uh, I mean, the, the, <laughs> what, what can I say? It just it just seems pretty obvious to me that. And, and that's kind of, I think that's the big takeaway from that is, gosh, don't wring your hands over poor Philistia at this point in time. They've had, they've had the opportunities to make their choices. They've made the choices they made, and, and this is the, their comeuppance. Absolutely. Um, got a, I've got a daughter-in-law lives in Colorado, okay? My, son, <clears throat> my son's wife. She's, uh, she's a wonderful woman. Her, her, uh, her father and her mother. Her mother was, was raised uh, uh, Lutheran, and her father is a Jew. Mm-hmm. Uh, his mother, born in Germany, and after World War II, they gave her like $5,000 and a ticket to wherever she wanted to go to get out of Germany, right? And so she went to Ecuador, where my daughter-in-law's father was born. And he found out that his mother was a Holocaust survivor, and therefore he was going to be able to go to Israel and learn all that he wanted to learn for almost nothing. Okay, and he's a brilliant, brilliant physician. All right, he learned his stuff in Israel. And when he was there, he met this woman who was from Germany, and she went to Israel specifically to make atonement for her nation. Okay, and she was a nurse, and she they met, and they got married, and there's where my daughter-in-law came from, along with four brothers and a sister. Now, sorry, three sisters and two brothers. The both brothers are in the IDF at this point. They they live in Israel, and they are fighting. Okay, two sisters have 
husbands in the IDF. Okay? They're fighting as well. I mean, they've called up everybody from the reserves. And it's, it's just, it's just, it, it, what we're looking at is exactly what we're looking at today. Yeah. What we're looking at in the scripture right now today is what we're looking at in Israel right now today. And every Jew on the planet wants to go and fight. Every one of them. My, my daughter-in-law's father wants to go himself. He's crying himself to sleep every night because he's got four sons in the IDF. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's really tough on those people. Oh, it's serious business. I'm telling you, it's really serious business. Not only it, they got four sons and four, two sons-in-law. <laughs> Everybody but my son is, is, is a, a part of the IDF. Okay. He's a, he's a, uh, real estate broker in Colorado Springs. So if you if you need to sell something, uh, Mark, Mark uh, that's who you want to talk to. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, it's interesting you describe a group that uh, that sounds very similar to a, a group of believers that are over in the land now. Up, uh, they they're mostly headquartered in uh, uh, a town near Haifa called Sikron Yaakov, uh-huh. uh, but uh, came from. Uh, came from uh, Lutherans from Germany, and they moved uh, there in the 1960s. And their entire focus was to serve Judah, to make retribution for exactly. what their nation had done. Sounds like it, it, we'll have to talk uh, uh, privately uh, uh, see, and see if these uh, if there's a connection between this. It's, it's officially a kibbutz now. But uh, if, if these are, are from the same uh, community up there, my wife and I have spent couple of months there uh, with them, and they are absolutely, uh, they are the real deal. They, they, oh. are as, they are as close to the first century church as, as it's possible for the 21st century to be. Um, oh, a wonderful, wonderful group of people. I, I have this immense respect for them. So Okay. Yeah. All right. They're, they're wonderful. Well, so let me <laughs> they're ask. They're over there to help out. Um, and and try to go ahead. No, I was just going to say if, if we're ready, shall we continue on? Um... <coughs> sure. I, I, I think we can start a little bit of uh, Moab. You bet. Yeah, we've only got about uh, twenty minutes, not quite left, fifteen minutes left. But let's continue into chapter uh, chapter fifteen, and and this one's kind of fascinating. We'll have to, uh, uh, I'm sure, continue next week and maybe back up and talk about some of the geography because this is one of those places where there are a lot of names and things that people are and the next two chapters maybe not going to be as familiar with. Certainly Moab, we are, and uh, we'll, yeah. we'll 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 cross those. Uh, T's and dot the I's as we get to them. So it says here, the burden against Moab, because in um, the night R of Moab is laid waste and destroyed, because in the night Kir of Moab is laid waste and destroyed, he has gone up to the temple and debone, to the high places to weep. Moab will wail over Neho and over Medeba, over all their heads baldness, and over every um, and every beard cut off in their streets, they will dot um, 
I'm sorry, clothe themselves oh. with sackcloths on the uh, tops of their houses and in their streets. Everyone will wail, weeping bitterly. Heshbon and Elelah, Elelah uh, will cry out. Their voice shall be heard as far as uh, Yahaz. Therefore, the armed soldiers of Moab will cry out. His life will be burdensome to him. So let me let me lay out just a couple of things. Uh, Ray, I'll go to you first on this one. And um, remember, we know a bunch about Moab. Moab, of course, was the um, was the offshoot of Lot, who had an incestuous relationship with his two sisters, and one of them, the son, was actually named Moab. So Moab comes out of this place of uh, literally incest, and it's a forbidden <coughs> relationship. Uh, we know that over the uh, course of the scriptures, there are a couple really, really important things that are kind of associated with Moab. Uh, obviously, one of them has to do with whether they're going to be allowed to cross through the land, and they weren't, and um, there was some uh, some strife there. But primarily, I think Moab is remembered by most of us for two things. Yes. One, Ruth was a Moabitess, and out of uh, Ruth, now remember, there was a ten-generation prohibition. Turns out that that ten generations was up by the time of, of King David, and of course, therefore, out of the faithful Moabitess, Ruth, comes the line of the Mashiach with Boaz. So that's part one. The other thing that we see all the way back in Torah is a famous king of Moab. And there were some other things too, but this is probably the the next most famous reference. And um, this king, Balak, there's a, a Torah portion named for him. Uh, he uh, he tried to hire the televangelist um, main guy of the time, uh, Bilaam, Balaam. And his famous talking ass, and uh, didn't work out so well for uh, for Balaam as the uh, as the story played out. But it was Mo- it was the king there, Balak of Moab, that kept constantly trying to get the uh, people of Israel cursed. And uh, you know how how beautiful are your tents? Some of the most amazing prophecy therefore comes out of that. So lots and lots here to do with Moab. Um, Ray, let's go to you and let you just kind of take it. There's there's a lot of material in this. Go wherever you'd like. Well, just uh, you've you've set a, a very 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 good background, and that was uh, I was going to point some of those very same things out. One thing for us to remember, and it's hard to remember, <clears throat> that uh, that uh, Lot being uh, Abram's nephew is family, <laughs> uh, even though the the uh, with the the two the the uh, uh, Ben Ami, uh, which are the Ammonites. Of today, the Jordanians of today, uh, and Moab uh, uh, being the area down near Petra uh, today on the map is, uh, I think, if I've got my geography right, is is there. Um, that that uh, it, it's one of the things that made the 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 pill when when uh, Moses has the the children of Israel and they ask that they just want to pass through the land. If we drink any water, we'll pay for it. If we eat any food, we'll pay for it. We won't. We won't stay. We won't venture off the roadway. We're just going to travel through the land. And they say, "No, you can't do it." Uh, that's that's not just an, a, a a pagan nation saying, "No, you can't do it." That's your cousins saying, "No, you can't do it." Yep. And that and you're right. That is one of those things that that kind of sticks. In everyone's craw, pretty hard. Absolutely, what follows with Bilaam and Belak, and well, if that doesn't work, then we'll just curse you. And if that doesn't work, and because it didn't, then we'll send the women into your camp. And of course, we know uh, uh, we have the the uh, uh, Pincus who who solves that uh, situation pretty pretty decisively. 
But uh, with all this, and, and you're exactly right, uh, in, uh, in Deuteronomy, the, a, a person from the congregation of Moab has, has been excluded for 10 generations. And with Ruth, and fascinating, in the book of Ruth, she's never, ever listed or spoken of as Ruth, period. Yeah. She's always Ruth, well, comma, the Moabitess. Yep. And, and I think that point is being rammed utterly home. That to be a Moabite to to the nation of Israel at, at that point in time was th- this is the other people. These are your relatives that you hope don't come to Christmas dinner. I mean, these are you know <laughs> well, in every maybe Christmas family, dinner, but we, this goes on. So we all ought to be able to relate to this. There are some folks in the family that are just the rest of the family is crossways with, and the Moabites have served this in this capacity throughout. So as we look at Moab here, we have to remember that, yes, the, the nation was founded in, in incest and this and that and the other thing. We we discover that through God's all, just amazing, uh, all-encompassing grace, yes, there's grace in the Old Testament, yeah. uh, that, that Ruth and uh, the story of Ruth and Boaz that the part of that family reunites and God is saying, yeah, I know these were the other people. These are the folks that lived on the wrong side of the tracks. These are the folks that none of you liked and none of you invited to dinner and all the rest of this, but I can use, I can use these people. And in fact, I will help bring my Messiah through their line too, because they're as much family as your family. So I think there's another huge, Oh yeah. Lesson in the in in the book of Ruth about you know God God's grace extends just is 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 amazing uh, and, and all that. But as we begin to go through this thing and and it's talking about all these different places and what's gone on and again, you know, we we see that uh that uh, that uh you know, even even in did we get as far as uh, verse 5? Mark, in, uh, as you see. were reading, where did I read? Um, I got through verse uh, four, I guess. Uh, was oh, over four. right okay. there. Yeah. Uh, then I'll save my 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 thing for this. I'll just mention that in verse five, we begin to then see God's uh, God's grief over what's happened to Moab. I mean, even even as he's dishing out a a big steaming bowl of justice here, um, he he's. It's not, it's not something he's wanting to do. Uh, you know, so anyway, with that, and as we see what happens with Moab, they aren't the Philistines. The Philistines weren't family. They were another, they were another nation group, another people group. Yep. The Moabites, yeah, they're, they're, they're the, they're, they're, they haven't acted well, but they're still family. So yeah. we, we kind of have to keep that in the back of our mind. Well, That's and remember, thought. too, that uh, they were told, Moses was told, look, you know, you're going to take all these other people's land, but you ain't going to touch, among other things, Moab. They're your brethren. So that's one of those specific exclusions. That's right. That's right. They okay. were family. All right. Well, uh, MP, anything to add? We've only got about six minutes. We'll just kind of set this all up, then we'll talk about it in some more detail next week. Yeah. All right, just a little bit here um, <clears throat> about the burden in verse one of Moab. Uh, this in the following chapter, 
form one entire prophecy, which was most probably delivered uh, soon after the the foregoing in the last year of Hezekiah and accomplished in his fourth year when Shalmaneser invaded Israel. Okay, Moab and Israel are are close, actually close relatives. Okay, and they should they should not be fighting each other. And I really got a feeling that's part of what we're seeing in the Middle East right now, is Moab and Israel haven't had it. Um, Moab is, is not necessarily a bunch of believers, but. They are cousins, and so they 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 really ought to ought to not be uh, fighting each other. They ought to be working towards each other. Now, uh, let me real quickly like, give you something on verse one here. In this chapter and the next, Isaiah continues his series of prophecies about the fate of the main biblical nations, with a prophecy over the coming exile of the Moabites. That is almost a lament. Okay, Moab is not a righteous country, not a righteous people. However, they are cousins, and therefore, Yah is is uh, it, it laments over them. Really, and truly, he does, and he wants to bless them. He really and truly does want to bless them, as he does Israel, and as and as he has done the United States of America for quite some time, and it's it's getting towards the end uh, before long we're not going to be getting any blessing at all from him uh, because we're becoming more and more wicked all the time okay and we're going to end up like Moab actually if we don't straighten up and fly right yeah well we're going to see what the judgment on Moab is and over the next uh, starting next week um, shall we read on or Ray do you have anything you want to add on on this before we get too far along You know uh, what? I'm I'm just agreeing with uh, with MP the whole way along. We we just really need to at times step back and and take a look at whose family, who isn't, uh, what we're called to do. When especially so we see that that God Himself can look through all this uh, poor behavior and and stuff that's happened and all this and that and the other thing. And he can still make use of it, and he can still find good in it, and he can still uh, find way, th- that they find ways to be able to get beyond their differences and all that. That's those are the things that. Uh, oh gosh, I think it's in Ephesians that it talks about. You know, look on the things that are good and beautiful, and so on and so forth. Dwell right. on these things. Look at these things. So um, even though. Uh, uh, reading this part of uh, Isaiah is pretty tough sledding. There's there's just a lot of stuff to 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 see that is not pleasant to see. That there is there are some really really good lessons for for us as far as how we order our lives and what we try to do and all that. And it's gosh, it's awfully hard. <laughs> it's I you know I, I I it's easy for me to sit here and say these things. Boy, and I'll tell you, and it's awfully hard to live them and walk them out and and be able to get along with 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 family members and and you know repent for things that I've done wrong and and try to find ways to get back with folks and this and that. It's 
it, it's it's not an easy road, but it's one that we we're I think we're all called to. It's it's part of the of the educational plan he has for us. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'm looking at verse two here. This is kind of an interesting thing. Uh, he is he that is Moab is gone. Oh, I'm sorry, R of Moab. Um, he is gone up to Bayit and to Devon, the high places, to weep. Okay, this is a Moabite. Okay, and he's going up to the high places, the places where they offer to Yah, or to their to their if it, if they got a different god to their god. Yeah, to their okay? pantheon. They're going up yeah. to weep for the condition that they have allowed themselves to get into. And they're and the, in this particular pl- place, I really think that it's uh, it's Yah that they're talking to, and not so much uh, uh, the God of Moab. I can't remember what his name is right off, but uh, I, I can't isn't see it. it. Uh, they are they are asking for uh, for mercy and for forgiveness, and those Moabite gods they're not really well known for that. So I think they're talking to somebody else. Mm-hmm. My own personal opinion. I could be wrong, but I doubt it. <laughs> okay. We got uh, a couple of minutes left. We got about a minute and a half left. Uh, Ray, anything, or should I just go ahead and uh, set right. things up for next week? Well, uh, again, I think with rather than going too too much further, I, I think we can just kind of uh, uh, pedal on this that that uh, it. Back in verse one, because of the the city of Moab, the R of of Moab, the Kir, the walled enclosure of Moab is laid waste, and all that. It, it, it's talking about that that it, all this happens at, in the night, right in the dark. Uh, and and uh, uh, and you're right. They they have gone up over. I'm trying to quickly see if I can get some of these. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, Ray, that quite possibly they're they're going up in the night, and the, and he's talking about their particular their their uh, presence as before Yah. They're going up in the night as if they're going up to their their false deities, okay, mm-hmm. instead of to Him. And I think that may be what the what the whole problem is here, and what they're trying to show in this short chapter. I, I, I believe uh, I believe you're right, and uh, uh, certainly you know we as we remember and we get a little bit of insight into this with the uh, Belak and Belaam that 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 uh, you know uh, Belaam is saying I, I I can't do if Yah will not allow this I can't do anything about this. <laughs> he didn't say it voluntarily. He, he understands his limits. <laughs> yeah, he had to he had to be hit over the head with him. Anyway, we're at the break, guys. We'll pick it up here next week. Shalom, folks.